0: Good morning, Bethel. Man, it is good to be back with you all this week. I missed my uh, Bethel family last week. Thank you all for the uh, text messages last week. It was nice to uh, know that we were missed, and uh, it's good to get away on vacation and get away from responsibilities for a week, but it's also it's great to be, be back with you all today. So let me start today with a question. So, actually a series of questions, and these are going to build on each other. So let me ask you, do you have currently in your life a cause worth living for? Do you have a cause worth living for? Next question. Is what you're living for worthy of Jesus dying for? That's something, something to think about. So another question, when you get to where you're headed, now listen to this one, when you get to where you're headed, where will you be? We're all headed somewhere in this life. We're all headed somewhere. When you get to where you're headed, where will you be? We're all striving for something. We're striving to get that education, to get to the next rung on the corporate ladder to raise good kids you know all of these things that we have as goals in life when you get to where you're headed where will you be so what i want to talk to you about today is living a life that is worthy worthy of jesus many of our lives are shoveling smoke and plowing water if you've ever heard that phrase before but it essentially means after it's all over, it will make no difference whatsoever. That's the description of so many people in this world today. When they look at their lives. Years ago, a Reader's Digest, I know my mom used to read Reader's Digest. Anyone in here used to read Reader's Digest? I know it was a very several hands in here maybe still read Reader's Digest. It had something in there that said, in order for a person to be happy and fulfilled, and have a meaningful life, they needed three things. Three things in life. Number one, they need someone to love. Reader's Digest said, number two, they need something to do. And then number three, they need something to hope for. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. And I think Reader's Digest was basically right, but they didn't give the answer. In readers digest the we can see and we know as christians that the answer to all three of those is jesus christ he is the one that we love he is the one that we serve and as we just sang about this morning in him in jesus we find our hope jesus is the answer to all three now we're going to pick up in revelation chapter 5 this morning and revelation chapter 5 is beyond a shadow of any doubt One of the most glorious chapters in all of the Bible. And I have titled today's message Worthy, or He is Worthy. He is Worthy. Chapter 5 is a continuation of the end of chapter 4, which Bill preached last week. And last week we saw God's holiness on display, His authority on display and that our only way to him is through the worthy lamb. That's what we saw last week and chapter 5 picks right up into that same same topic. Jesus Christ is the only one that is worthy of my love, that he is worthy of my life, my all. You know, as we walk through this book of Revelation, this as we said in week one, the, revel- the very first words of Revelation are the revelation of Jesus Christ. This whole book is about Jesus. It's all about him. You will never have satisfaction. You will have, never have true fulfillment. You will never understand why you were made, why God created you, until you come to worship the one God who alone is worthy of our worship. So there's three things I want to say about the Lord Jesus Christ and I pray that God will write these upon your heart today as we read through Revelation chapter 5. First of all, we're going to see that Jesus is exclusively worthy of worship. Now, if you'll look in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, John is in heaven. And just to recap from the you know, from previous weeks, for maybe those of you that were not with us, John is the writer of the book of Revelation. And he out on the island of Patmos by himself, God gives him this vision as he's out there exiled on this island, and he's writing, he's taken up to heaven, given a vision. He's trying to write and put to words what he sees. But you have to imagine, some of the things that he's going to see, there are not words to describe what he is seeing. So let's keep reading here, in, or start reading in, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written and on the back sealed with seven seals, Of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, what is all of this about? Well, when God created the world, God turned this world over to Adam. If you'll read in Genesis chapter 1, and he said, Adam, you are king of the earth, you are to have dominion over the earth. He gave Adam that charge, and Eve, he said, you're the queen, I give you two dominion, and God gave to Adam and Eve dominion over this entire world. He gave this to them, but then Satan came into the Garden of Eden. We know this famous story, and as you remember, he crawled into the slimy path onto the pages of history, and he was what we would call today a con artist, the great con artist. They sold... Adam and Eve sold the farm to him, as it were, and he went away with what we would call today the title deed of all of creation. They took that dominion that God had given to them and they turned it over to Satan. Now let me think think about it, let me illustrate it this way. Let's suppose you have a high school child that you are wanting to purchase a car for and give to them, So that they could get around to school to job to sports you know i'm kind of in that spot right now you know getting that child that car makes life a lot more easier than mom's shuttle service Uh, but let's just suppose you get that child the car and that child turns around and they give it to that friend that you don't like them hanging out with that friend that's a bad influence on them that you're constantly telling them Do not text that person. Do not hang out with that person. But they decide that this friend needs a car, and they sign the deed over to them and give it to that friend. Legally, that car is now that friend's. God gave Adam dominion over the earth, and Adam delivered it to Satan. It was lost. And it has to be regained. This book of Revelation is about the title to this earth that Jesus has gained back. This is what this book is all about. It's the book of redemption. It's the title deed to earth that Jesus has bought back. That's the reason that Jesus stepped out of heaven and became a man. That's why we celebrate christmas of the babe and the man in the manger he had to be man to redeem us our inheritance was lost by the first man adam and it had to be redeemed but not just by any man because this man who redeems it has to have a price of redemption and the price of redemption as we're going to see through this passage is the shed blood of the precious lamb of god Now, John sees this book, and he wants this book opened. He wants the seals broken. But the angel gives a challenge in the passage that we just read. What does it say? Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Not who is willing, but who is worthy. Notice in verse 2, it says, And a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? In order for a person to be worthy, there had to be a price to be paid. And so they're looking around and they're searching for someone in heaven and on earth who is worthy. No man in heaven, none of the saints, Peter, James, Paul, None of the Old Testament saints, Noah, Moses, David, no one was able, nor in heaven, nor man all around. John, as he looked at all of those who might be living, all of the saints of the earth, notice no one is worthy to open the scroll. Plenty willing, but they weren't able. And it says, and no one in heaven or on earth or earth under the earth, was able to open the scroll or look into it. No one's able to open the book. And what does John begin to do? The passage says he begins to weep. Look at verse 4. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. There's no way that we as people can buy back what Adam lost. There's no way that we can buy back what Adam lost because we do not have as sinful men and women. We do not have what it takes. That's the reason that Jesus came to the earth. He came as the second Adam to undo, to put back what was to put back and make right what the first Adam did. He was born of a virgin to be what he was sinless he was sinless to do what he did to die upon a cross to pay our sin debt for the bible says we were not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold but by the spotless lamb of god he had to be perfect a sinless sacrifice he could not offer any corruptible sacrifice only the sinless blood of jesus christ could redeem this world. And so the Lord Jesus stepped out of heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is exclusively worthy to open the book. He's exclusively worthy of our worship. Listen, there is no way, and I hope you'll hear this, there is absolutely no way to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. You might say, Pastor Robert, that sounds very narrow. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus himself, makes that exclusive claim the bible also says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it is jesus christ alone so jesus christ is exclusively worthy now here's my second point not only is he exclusively worthy but he is exceedingly worthy of our worship Exceedingly worthy. And here's how important it is to see this. Let's look in verse 11 of chapter 5. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What a powerful verse. Now we're back in, let's go back to chapter 4 because we have to go back to chapter 4 to kind of get a running start into chapter 5. And chapter 4 and 5, they really belong together. Remember, we didn't have... Chapters in the books of the Bible until later. The chapter divisions were put there later on for those who printed the Bible to help us find certain sections of Scripture. Because it would be difficult for, you know, to say, you know, right now we can say Revelation chapter 5 verse 3. Can you imagine just saying, you know, the book of Revelation is just one big book trying to find a specific verse. So the, the chapter divisions were put in there later. And, you know, I also honestly think they were put in there to keep preachers from preaching too long, too. But that's that's just my opinion. So let's go back to chapter 4. We're going to talk about why Jesus is so exceedingly worthy. And I want to mention three things here between chapter 4 and 5 to show why he's so exceedingly worthy. He is worthy in chapter 4, verse 11, because it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. It was all created by him and for him. Say it again. It was created by him and for him. And he is the one who is worthy of our worship. Why? Because he is the creator. He created it all. There is only one Who can create, my friend, it is Jesus, and he alone is worthy. He is worthy because of creation. Let's look at the second thing of why he is worthy. He is worthy because of Calvary. Let's skip forward to chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And it said, In between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Here we see the sacrificial lamb. And he comes and takes this book out of the hand of this mighty angel. This book that is the title deed to all of creation. Now, in this passage, John is weeping. He's weeping because no one is able until the lamb comes forward the lamb comes forward and he doesn't just say the lamb but he uses that language the sacrificial lamb he is the one who can open it he is a lamb as though it had been slain so he still has the marks the nail prints but now he's standing he laid down in death, but now the Lamb has risen. Jesus is worthy because of creation. He is worthy because of Calvary. And last of all, we're going to see here, he's worthy because of conquest. We'll notice in verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So if you are to ask the Lord Jesus, Jesus, by what right do you have to be worthy? How can you take this book and open it? He would tell you, I am worthy because of creation. I made it all to begin with. I made it all. I am worthy because of Calvary. I have redeemed it and I bought it with my blood, and I am worthy because of conquest. I conquered death and hell when I got up out of that grave three days later. I am worthy. And friend, he is. He is exclusively worthy, and there is none other. No one else can open this book. He is exceedingly worthy through creation, through Calvary, and through conquest. Now here's the third thing I want to look at today. Jesus is eternally worthy. He is eternally worthy. Chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth he is eternally worthy forever and ever there was never a time when he's not worthy there will never be a time when he is not worthy he is worthy of our worship this is the eternal song for the ages now here in this passage we enter what we would call the throne zone and we see there in heaven This praise that is symbolized by the harps and the bowls. The harps is our worship expressed. In the Old Testament, psalms were sung to harp music. We see David before Saul, King Saul. He's there as he's playing the harp, singing praises to our God. That's a, a, an instrument that was used quite often in the Old Testament. And then the bowls are incense, and it speaks of our praise and our prayers. Now let me ask you this, this is an interesting thought. Why are, are in Scripture, are we still praying up in heaven? It's an interesting thought. Well, these prayers, as we're going to see later in the book of heaven, or the book of Revelation, that they're mentioned here are the prayers that have already been prayed down through the ages. They may have been prayed by your grandmother or your great-grandfather or by the Apostle Paul, but they are collected. These prayers are up in heaven, and they are a sweet incense before holy God. You see, every single one of the prayers that you have ever prayed, they have not been forgotten. They have not gone unheard. God has not forgotten a single prayer. Now, sometimes we don't see our prayers answered or answered the way that we want them to be answered, and we think that God has forgotten. Or sometimes we don't see God working. We think that God is not working, but we see these bowls of golden incense full of prayers. When the high priest would go into the temple, he would take a bowl, he'd take a a basin of incense in the Old Testament. And the aroma would perfume the air in the temple. And that's only an illustration of the prayers of the saints. Did you know that when you pray, it's a sweet-smelling savor to God? And when you praise, the Bible calls that the sacrifice of prayer. So... If you are to be honest with me this morning, you'd probably say, Pastor Robert, I prayed a prayer that I don't think was ever answered. I don't think that God heard. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? I think most of us have prayed that prayer at some point. So let me ask you this question. If you prayed that prayer... Has God's kingdom come? Has God answered that question? His kingdom has not come yet. Is his will being done on earth as it is in heaven? Absolutely not. It's not being done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because this earth is full of sin, as we see every single moment of every day. Just look at your own heart and you see that sin. So God's will on earth is not being done as it is in heaven Because we're full of sin. Did you pray a prayer, this prayer, and think, man, God's kingdom hasn't come? This earth is a sinful, wicked place. It's not like heaven. The truth is, because one of these days His kingdom will come, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ this prayer that we see are the prayers of all of the saints that have been prayed. This is what this all is all about. God has not forgotten. Your prayers are there as a sweet savor in the nostrils of an almighty God. So now there's this song in heaven. And I want you to notice the refrain of that song in Revelation chapter 5 verse 12. It says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power And wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Do you know what we're going to be singing in heaven for the ages to come? We're going to be singing about the blood of the Lamb. Now that's now the Bible says they sang a new song. It's not a new in the sense that nobody's ever heard it before. It's new because we're now redeemed in glory. That's why it's new. The refrain of that song, think of the reach of that song. It's going to echo from the thunder and thunder from the highest of heaven to the lowest of hell. Let's read this again. Verses 13 and 14. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, get this, and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying... To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. What I find interesting about that passage is it says, to those under the earth. Now, do this for me for just a second. Let's have a little fun here this morning. You guys are sitting, so I think you can all reach down and touch your knees. Can you touch your knees? Can you touch your knees for me this morning? Now, we're going to do something that you guys might not like. Can you stick out your tongue for me this morning? Stick out your tongue at me this morning. Here's what's going to happen. Those knees are going to bow to Christ. That tongue, I tell you as I'm standing here, it will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. And when I say every, and I point it out, under the earth, Osama bin Laden will confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Adolf Hitler will confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of the atheists on this earth, your Christopher Hitchens, all of those will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Muhammad, Muhammad will confess and will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is exclusively worthy. There is no one that can open this book. He is exceedingly worthy because of creation, because of Calvary, because of conquest, and he is eternally worthy. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. The wisest thing that anybody could ever do would be to bow the knee to Jesus Christ because, friend, you may not receive him as Savior in this life, but I guarantee you that in the next life, you will recognize him as Lord. One day, you will. So I ask you, if you have not received him as savior today can be your day of salvation with every head bowed let's close our eyes and bow our heads as we finish out our service this evening, this morning i just want to ask how many of you can say pastor Robert? i know by the grace of god that I have repented of my sin. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I know that he has redeemed me. He has changed my life. My life is a living testimony of his life-changing power. And I know today that if I were to die today, I would be in heaven with him forever. If that is you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, as a testimony to God, just raise your hand. If you know for certain that that is what you have done. Thank you so much. If you couldn't raise your hand this morning, I want to help you get that settled. I want you to look as Jesus as your savior. Because salvation, it is a free gift. It is a gift that is given to everyone on the face of this earth. No matter how rich, no matter how poor, no matter how talented or unskilled, no matter what your intelligence, no matter what you might be today, salvation is freely given by Jesus Christ through his shed blood on the cross. I want everyone to be able to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Dear God, as we finish out today, may we be humbled to know that we worship the one true God who is exclusively worthy, who is exceedingly worthy, and is eternally worthy of our worship. God, I pray today that if there's someone here There were quite a few hands that did not go up to say that they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that today that they would seek me out, seek Pastor Jay out, and we could have a conversation with them of how they could know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we thank you for John and this vision in Revelation chapter 5. to put on display the glory of Christ and to show us that He alone is worthy. And we ask this all in Jesus' his precious name.